We'll, All right, uh, we are live. Welcome to the Real Conversations podcast, my friends. Today, we've got a great guest on the show. Uh, and as always, we've got our, our uh, co-host, Robin Shidlowski. Say hello, Robin. Hello, Robin. Ah, there we go. I got him this time. <laughs> you didn't follow instructions the last, the last podcast, uh, hey. but he did this time. Hello, Robin. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to, as always, run through the bio for Nick, and then we're going to jump into the conversation. Nick Good, team leader of the Good Home team and co-host of the Real the, the only real estate podcast worth listening to, which maybe this one isn't. So I guess we'll have to see where this stacks up. <laughs> Nick entered the real estate industry in 2005. He stumbled his way around until he joined forces with his brother, Austin Good in 2009. And they took the DFW market by storm. I'm assuming that is Dallas Fort Worth. Largely inspired by the Gary Keller book, Millionaire Real Estate Agent, Nick built a solid foundation for the business based on systems, prospecting and accountability. Over his career, Nick has focused on hiring and developing leadership talent, as well as implementing cycle-appropriate strategies to stay ahead of the competition. Through these efforts, the Good Home team became one of the fastest-growing real estate teams in the DFW market and now closes over $50 million in real estate transactions every single year. Alongside managing the Good Home team, Nick now takes his winning formula for building a dominant business and speaks on national real estate podcasts and person workshops and provides one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. He spends his time providing easy to implement ideas and proven concepts that apply to today's shifting real estate industry. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. That is uh, That was a mouthful, man. That was a yeah. mouthful. I like it. Yeah. Though. I want to make sure it's a good intro, good bio, right? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> All right. So, you know, we've never met before. I reached out to you uh, through the Honey Badger group on Facebook and, uh, you know, um, filled out a Calendly link and with the hopes that you might have some time to, you know, jump on the podcast with us. So um, why don't we just start with kind of an introduction, give us the, you know, Cole's Notes version of, you know, outside the bio of who Nick is and, and what you're all about, man. Absolutely. So, I mean, of course, you know, you heard there in that, that intro part that I got in the business in 2005. What it doesn't say is that I would, in 2005, I was an unlicensed assistant, right? So it's not like I got my real estate license and jumped right on in in 05. Um, I was still in college at the time. I was delivering pizzas. Um, still, still today, I think that was the best job I've ever had, right? And, you know, there was no stress in that, you know, <laughs> right. clock in, know where I'm delivering to, drive around, no stress, go home and, and unplug and unwind. But um, as, as, you know, of course, I, I, you know, there's no way I could probably get married or get a girlfriend if I'm a pizza delivery driver at 37. Um, so I decided to, to start looking at different opportunities. And on my college job board, there was an opening for a real estate assistant. Um, and my brother and I, who is now my business partner, um, we had some interest in, in learning how to become real estate investors. And so what better way to learn how to become a better uh, a real estate investor is to go and get paid and, and kind of learn the real estate business. Right. Um, so interviewed for the assistant job and, and um, got it. I still question why they hired me because I'm the worst assistant ever. I'm not... I don't fit the job pro profile. I don't fit the disc personality test um, of, a, of an assistant. I'm not, I'm not organized. I'm not detailed minded, um, but they hired me and, and was able to, to learn how they were doing it. It was a small independent mom and pop husband and wife shop and grew from there. Right. Um, you know, I was, I was basically there people sending out postcards. I was answering their phones um, in 2006, I got licensed 
and became um, at that time before anybody knew about it, they're show, like it was, wasn't being coached or taught about. I was their showing assistant. Right. right. So I was able to do licensed activities for them and help them continue to grow their book of business. Um, so in 2007, I graduated college and they offered me a full time position. Not a bad salary. I think it was like 36, 30, 34, 36,000. Plus, I would get an override off of everything that they closed um, within the brokerage. Um, and as much as I appreciate that, appreciated that offer, I turned it down and I asked him, I said, um, his name is Jay Robbins, still a good friend of mine today. I said, can I make $100,000 as, as a real estate agent? I, I see how much money you guys are making. Uh, I've learned that process. Um, can I just go 100% commission? Now, albeit I had just gotten married, I had just bought a house and I just graduated college. So it was perfect timing to go, you know, and, and get rid of a stable income and, and yeah, just go, into go to a zero salary. Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> in, in August of 2007, I, I went 100% commission and, and I killed it and sold three houses. <laughs> so I sold three houses in 2007. Um, and I was kind of floundering around like you heard there, right? I mean, I joined Keller Williams in, in December of, of, of 2007. Um, I had a friend go over there and was, was hoping to get their, their training and, and stuff that they were promoting and, and talking about at the time. Um, and and what, what I ended up doing was I started going on YouTube, right? I bought a, a course on eBay on how to go generate leads through Craigslist. Wow. Now, I was broke. There's, I had no business... I had no business buying any of this stuff. So what I did on the, the, the program that I bought on eBay, I packaged, I packaged that up and resold it on eBay to make my money back and then start getting a little bit of money going in. Got it. A little Smart. bit of copy, oh. probably copyright infringement there. A but, little bit. <laughs> um, at the time I was 20, 24, 25 years old. 20, I was 25. Um, I was like, yeah, I don't have anything. Come slap me with a lawsuit. I have nothing to take. Right. Um, and so I started posting these ads on Craigslist. I started learning how to become a, a, a prospecting lead generating person because 24, 25, my friends were still in college, right? And they were broke and they weren't buying from me and nor were their, you know, I was their broke college kid's friend. Their parents weren't buying from me. Right. So oh, I couldn't, I, even though I, I grew up in this area, I could not rely on my sphere at that time to, to help build this book of business fast enough. Right. And so I had to learn how to become like in the, the millionaire real estate agent book by Gary Keller, you know, we've got prospecting based and marketing based. I had to become prospecting based. Right. And, and I had to learn how to, to, to generate cold leads and call cold leads and, and develop that rapport and start developing that trust, become that expert advisor, and then start building that book of business. And it really didn't start, it didn't really come together until about 2009 when I partnered with my brother and, and we started to build what's now the good home team that does, you know, 55, 60 million a year in sales. So you mean your brother wasn't your first, uh, your first client? He was, he was, uh, not, oh, was he? he was, he was a client in 2008. Um, uh, my brother has, um, you know, an oil, background in oil and gas sales. So, um, you know, he's the, he was the guy that was making thousands of cold calls a month to high accredited net worth in, uh, investors saying, Hey, uh, we've got this, we've got this land. There may be oil. Come send us a hundred thousand dollar check. I know Kelly, I know Robin, you never met me, but trust me, send me a hundred thousand dollar check. We're going to go and drill some oil or go drill some wells. And hopefully we hit oil. And if we do, you get a royalty check. And if we don't, you lost your hundred thousand dollars. Right. right? And so we had an idea. So when I was talking to my brother, he was making, he's younger than I am by two years. 
he was making a hundred and almost $150,000 a year, um, making, just making cold calls. Wow. Right. Wow. And so I was like, if we were to take that style into the real estate industry, no one was doing that at the time. You weren't hearing about the cold calling business. I know you guys are in Canada, so you can't really do that as, as much as we hear in the state, Canada here in the States. But, um, you know, with that, I was like, if we can take that model, there's not, there's, we won't be stopped. And so, um, he finally, he got a little tired of it and got a little burnout of the oil industry. And then we partnered up in 2009, but he was one of my, one of my first, probably the first 10 clients. And, you know, he bought a house in 2008. Wow. That's it. The, the similarities in our uh, journeys are, are eerily, eerily, eerily similar. Like I, I got licensed in 07, sold three houses that first year. My first clients were my brother's right? They, that was the first deal I ever did. I, I had no idea what I was doing as far as writing a purchase contract was concerned. So I sent them out to this, to the big ass garage that was, you know, out in the backyard, the back 40. And, and I sat down at the kitchen table and got my broker on the phone and I was like, okay, what do I do? I'm writing an offer. Right. And uh, yeah, no, that's, that's hilarious that uh, the similarities that are there. So, you know, as, as far as prospecting was concerned, what, what were kind of your lead pillars with respect to that? Like were you focused on open houses? I mean, geo farming is highly expensive, uh, you know, obviously picking up the phone, not very expensive. And then you've got your brother with, you know, with the chops that, uh, you know, he, he had been doing this for a while. I mean, did you guys, did he have scripting and stuff that you guys brought in or did you have scripting that you pulled in from KW or? So, yeah. So a lot of it was from, K, from KW. So what I learned even before, let me backtrack to 08 um, as I'm going through this journey, right. In 2008, um, you know, I'm generating Craigslist leads. I could not afford at that time, the IDX, you know, your, your website that didn't come with an IDX at that time that was separate. Right. So I couldn't afford that. Right. So I'm sending people to a landing page, promising them to get, you know, house, you know, to go search the MLS for free and they weren't able to get it. So I was getting a lot of pissed off people. Um, but I, what, at that time I'm learning how to generate leads through Craigslist and then um, and then at that time, you could go buy cheap traffic online, right? It was uh, a company right. called um, Home Gain. I think they're still around. Um, and, and I bought, I bought um, pay-per-click traffic. So I was spending 100 bucks a month and generating you know, tw- you know, 15, 20, 30 leads a month. Um, and so what, what, I, what I quickly learned how to do was how to have quick conversations and, and, um, and be, be very quick-witted, quick on my feet. If people were not happy answering the phone or talking to a stranger or saying, I never gave that information, but it was the right person. And so a lot of that had to do with the, the scripting that I got at Keller Williams. Um, but then a lot of it had to come with, with just trial and error, right? Just, but staying consistent and routine. And when I partnered with my brother in 2009, mm-hmm. the benefit that, I, that he, that I have with him is that he is very, his self-discipline is through the roof, Right. So, and, and he is very assistant, he is very systematic mindset. And so in 2009, we started building systems around our lead generation activities. Um, and they weren't, it wasn't anything sexy, by the way. I had a one through 31 accordion file. And, and if I called you, Robin, and you told me to call, call you back uh, on the 15th of, of January, well, I'm going in my accordion file, putting your name, your printout on the sheet with my note, handwritten notes, the 15th, and then the start of every month you know, or the next month on the, on the January 15th, I'm calling, I'm pulling it out and seeing who my call list is that day. Right. I'm calling, I'm texting and, and it became a game, right? There was a time when I was bragging about, it took, you know, 36, 40 times before I finally got someone to commit to meeting with me and it just became a game. And, and that's how I played it. I do something very similar on my calendar and you're just, 
you know, scheduling calls, scheduling appointments, taking those notes. And it's interesting because like, you know, show me your calendar and I'll, I'll tell you what your income is. And it's just getting into those calls and doing that stuff. Uh, It's so interesting that, uh, you know, you started off very much the same as me too, really slow. Uh, I think I did five or six sales in my first year as well, just like getting into it. Then I got on a team to solve that lead problem. I wasn't uh, focused enough to, you know, get into the lead generation part of it. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get on a team and that was the way to go to get my experience. So it was quite a, quite a different, quite a, a different start in that I didn't do the lead gen on my own. So take us, so then take us through like 2009, 2010. I mean, the market was shit back then, right? I mean, you know, everybody was hurting. I mean, our market up here, you know, we, we, you know, we're, I think, I think Calgary is actually Dallas, Fort Worth sister city, I think is one of our sister cities. Right. So we're very much, you know, as you know, we're very much based in oil and gas as well. So our economy in Alberta here is, is very much tied to oil prices. Um, you know, price of a barrel of uh, Brent crude was trading at 140 bucks a barrel going back to 2007. The market crash started to happen in, in the US in 07. Um, our market here didn't really get affected until about 2008. Our market peaked in about May, June of 2008. Um, and then we saw this really odd year of 2009. Our housing prices follow the, the rise and fall of oil prices um, here in, in Alberta, you know, based on an 18 month cycle. So if, if, uh, oil prices drop off by, you know, 50, 60, 70%, like they did, um, our market isn't actually affected for about 18 months. Right. And so like, kind of take us through, how did, how did you like, I mean, you were cutting your teeth in the middle of a recession, right? So it, but, was it just like, how were you finding buyers that, that wanted to buy in that marketplace? How are you finding sellers that could sell in that market? Well, there's always, there's always buyers and sellers. And that's one thing that I learned. And here's the thing. So going in this full time in 2007, and then everything hit the fan in 2008, got to remember, I didn't know any better. Right. Right. So when you think about it, I'm coming into this and, and, you know, everyone that was running up in the 04, 05, 06, and everything was great. They were making so much money hand over fist and you could get anybody approved. I just, at that time, that was not my reality. And so I just had to work with what my reality was. And so what I did learn, though, when I talk about like in the MREA book, it talked about the prospecting based versus marketing based is that I also looked around in, in, in my in my Keller Williams office at the time and seeing these people that were struggling that once were were flourishing. Right. And I and I had said that I never wanted to experience that. I always knew that um, at that time, I always knew that we were going to one come out of this recession. And two, I always knew that we were going to fall back into a recession. And so I wanted to, I wanted to find something that was recession proof and learn that right. first. Right. And, and everyone that was a hundred percent or 90% referral based and sphere oriented, they struggled during the recession because they could not figure out how to go lead generate to save their life. Mm-hmm. And they could not convert a lead to save their life. And then I saw people losing their houses that, that once were making three, four, $500,000 a year. Right. And so that's where I came in and started looking at, all right, you know, if you uncover every rock and every stone, I'm going to find a seller and buyer. Now, I was buyer heavy, just like the majority of brand new agents. I was buyer heavy, and then i I wanted to become and I wanted to become a listing focused, right? Because one, I wanted to control that. Two, I didn't like driving buyers around that much anyway. Um, yeah. I, I'm not. That's not my strength and, and and strong suit anyway. But I knew that during that time, expires were were huge, right? You know, it was it was like sixty six percent in you know oh eight oh nine and ten I think were were expiring, 
that gave me a huge opportunity to start building my listing pipeline. Um, you know, for sale by owners, which is still my kryptonite today, I still was cutting my teeth on that learning how to talk to people. And then of course we went and started diving into the, to the financially distressed market. And, and, um, you know, one thing it doesn't talk about in this bio, which, which, you know, purposely I don't bring it up. I, I bring it up on podcast, but in 2010, my brother and I started, we flipped our first house. Oh yeah. Right. And, and it allowed us, and this business has allowed us from 2010 through today, this is, you know, whenever you release this, but it's December 7, 2020 right now, we have amassed over a hundred million dollars in investment holdings because of what we learned over that first recession. Wow. So, so it's all about cutting our teeth and, and, and really, you know, in every marketplace, there's always going to be buyers and sellers. It's just, mm-hmm. you got to see which way that wind is blowing to find that right lead source, that right. motivated lead source. Yeah, no doubt. Well, the expired market is a little bit different here in Canada. Like we're, you know, obviously restricted by our boards and associations from calling expireds, right? So I know that there's there's agents that kind of find workarounds with respect to that. But ultimately what you're talking about is a diver- diversification of, of uh, your lead flow, right? Something that you said was very interesting to me. You mentioned that a lot of the agents that were 100, you know, 90 to 100% repeat referral business were going broke, right? Because they didn't know how to lead generate. I mean, they knew how to lead generate from their sphere of influence, but as soon as those people stop buying and selling homes, I mean, that lead source dries up, right? So I think that that's a a good lesson for any agent. doesn't matter the market that you're in. Instead of just focusing 100% of your effort on on one area, you need to diversify that lead flow, that lead generation, like you said, become that prospector. What what other areas would you suggest? I mean, now from a from a listings perspective, I mean, you guys run a team, and maybe we can we let's let's do that first before we jump into that. Let's let's talk about the 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 timeline now. So take us through 2009, 2010. Like you guys, you know, you fired up a partnership between you and your brother. Um, you know, when did you guys fire up the team and start hiring agents and assistants and all all the rest of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so 2009, we, we fired the team up with uh, myself, my brother, and then, um, you know, we started getting some success. I can't remember how many houses we sold then, um, but it's somewhere around eight or nine million in closed volume. So we started making some money um, and, and we reinvested everything that we earned. We paid ourselves 500 bucks a month. We, we, were, we, were, living, we were living on rice and beans, right? And crackers. Right. And so it was all about putting everything back in and, and learning learning how to, how to make this into a true business from day one. And so 2010, we hired our, our, our first operations person or assistant at that time. She's still with us today and, and um, started leveraging out more and more what, you know, more and more of my activities uh, on the servicing side. So I could become, you know, focused on lead generation. Um, we hired our first buyer's agent in 2010 as well. Right. Cause I wanted, again, it needed to be listing focus. I needed to learn how to become a listing machine. Um, and, and the evolution of this business is, is big where, you know, I think every real estate business, you know, for the most part probably starts off this way is that it's, it's, it's a selfish business model. It's built around the number me or, or you Kelly or or Robin, depending on how that setup is, it's built around the one rainmaker and that rainmaker has to be the driver. Right. And so it's a selfish business model for a long time until you start, until you want it to evolve, or if you, or you, or, or even if you don't, right, then you start losing talent. So you've got, you, you eventually start to come to a fork in the road of determining, all right, am I going to stay small or am I going to go big? Right. And if you're going to go big, 
then you have to evolve your business model from, from a selfish self-centered around you as the, the, you're going to cherry pick all the best deals to starting handoff deals, right. to where you now become um, a coach, a motivator, lead generator uh, for your agents. Right. And so from 2010 to 2020, it's just been a journey of evolving from, you know, from me being the sole listing agent to, to bringing on buyers agents, learning how that goes. Right. Cause you know, yeah. you just, you throw leads at them and, and you don't train them. You don't teach them, you know, for the longest time I had a, I had a, our lead generated our lead generation room for our buyer's agent was called the redheaded stepchild room because <laughs> we would just put buyer's agents in there. We would recruit them. I wouldn't even know their names and they would be in there one day and gone the next day and be like, Oh, I didn't even know that we lost anybody. Right. Wow. Because it was, we just wow. had a, we just had a list of leads and saying, all right, go in there and just call them, do whatever you think you can to get some deals coming through because I was so focused on my listings right. that it didn't matter, right? And the only way that we were driving this business forward was me. I was the peddler. I was the one riding the bike. Everyone else was on the back. And, and in order for us to grow, I would have to take the listings. Hopefully they were seller buyers so I could hand the buyers off to my agents. I was doing the kills for them, right? And it, and it didn't evolve until about 2015 because that was about five years worth. Wow. By the way, in between so that, it? I got Go ahead. divorced. In between that, I got divorced because of this business. Wow. I got married in 2007, started the career, but I got divorced because of it because I was so involved and and too focused, you know, so focused on growing this that it fell apart over there. Would you say that was consumes you, all your time? It, it is. Right. I mean that that was my that. I mean, if you look at it, that my business was my marriage, right? My business is my baby. And so that, it, and unfortunately that's another evolving and learning point. I'm, I'm happily married today and, and I've had to learn how to, how to make sure that this doesn't continue to consume. Right. So would you say that was the tipping point then, Nick, for you to, to really look at the business and, and nope. alter things? No, it wasn't. No, oh, wow. I'm hard headed and stubborn. No, <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, that's, if, if someone can't be with me for that, right. I, I put the blame elsewhere. Right. Um, no, but the tipping point was that I started losing talent right? I started having agents leave that were having success on our team because they wanted to become the, they wanted to take listings on, right? right. So Kelly, let's say that you're, you're, you become a superstar in my business in, in 2013 to 14 and even evolving into 15. And you let you come to me and you're like, Nick, I, I, I love it here, but I would really like to take some listings. I said, sorry, Kelly, that's my job. Right. That's, Your job is going to be a, Yep. That's got to be a common problem for a team lead though, is to keep those really highly successful agents engaged and part of the team. Like, how do you, how do you manage that as a team lead? That's like, just, it's tough. It's a juggling act. It's a juggling. And so here, here's the thing is, is you start losing enough people and you get tired of having to go rebuild. You know, it's, it's like Groundhog's day every day. And, and, you know, we, I went to a, I went to a, a training course by a good buddy of mine named Tim Heil. I don't know if you know Tim, but I do heard yeah. of Tim. Um, and Tim was running a hybrid program, right? He was having, he had, he had his agents that could take on sellers and buyers. And so we started to, after losing agents, we started to look at what that would look like. Right. And then I said, all right, if I had an army of, of agents that could also go take listings, we have more signs on the ground. Are we taking more market share? Right. Yes. I'm going to take more of a temporarily, I'm going to take a little bit of a profit hit. Right. But if this goes the direction I think it can go in, then we're going to actually be pushing the ball forward in, in 12 to 24 months, right? So it, it needed to evolve that just wasn't around me. In fact, our signs had my photo on it and we got rid of the, those signs with my photos. Now just the good home team, 
right? right. It just shows the good home team, mm-hmm. our, the good home team logo. Um, and, and we want to, we want to push the ball forward on that and, and make sure that our agents are set up for success from day one. Um, and, and that's the tough part of an evolution in the business. That's, that's almost the, that's the no man's land where people end up dying or they say it doesn't work and they've given up too quickly. And then they go back to their, to the model that was working. And, and now they're either, they accept it and they become happy with what, the way it is, or they just are miserable in that position. Yeah. It was the same thing for me in 2013. I, you know, I hired my first coach, I had my team. Um, and it I was just, I had all this turnover. I had this, you know, people revolving door, people coming and going all the time. And I couldn't figure out why, right. I just, I couldn't figure it out. And finally I sat down with a coach and, and she said, okay, well, what's your, what's your mission? What's your uh, mission statement? What's your vision statement? What's your, what, what are your values? Like, what is it that you bring to the table? What is your unique sales proposition? Like you don't understand any of that. So once, once you get an understanding of that, then you can start to go out and attract high level top talent. And so, you know, once I, once I started to refocus that and, and understood that it wasn't about me, it was about the agents, right? It was about the idea of you bring, you, you join me. And, and eventually at some point when you leave me, you're going to be a better agent for having been with us for as long as you were, whether that was five minutes, five months, or five years, right? I want to make sure that the, that the agent community is going to be better off for having either done a deal with me or worked with me on my team. And so, you know, taking that philosophy, I actually had my agents would take on listings, right? Where I refused to give up with the control was, was not allowing them to go into the listing appointment alone. Right. And I think I, had I, had I trained them to do a proper listing appointment, um, train them to, to, you know, get the, the contract signed and that sort of thing, we probably would have had a lot more listings um, and a lot, probably a lot more success there, but you know, hindsight is what it is. It's 2020 baby. So I get to look back and I get to go, <laughs> fuck man, I totally made that mistake. I won't make that mistake again if I ever rebuild the team. Right. So I, so I'm curious then I, you know, let's, let's talk about teams. Robin and I were talking about this yesterday um, when we were kind of talking about, you know, getting ready for the podcast and having you on and stuff like that. And there's this, this, this idea of evolution of, of teams that I wanted to kind of throw out to you. And I, I know that we were going to say like, keep off the the brand and be kind of brand agnostic and stuff like that. But um, you know, we, we, re- you know, Robin and I recently moved over to TXP here within the last couple of weeks. And, and the idea of team is, is in the traditional sense, um, when you take it and you put it into an, an EXP model, uh, it just seems to me like it can be eaten up really, that traditional team model can be eaten up really, really quickly. Um, and there's, I think, a greater opportunity for that team leader to potentially actually net more as a result of, of you know, that, that team basically folding into itself. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I mean, here, here, here's my take, right? So, I mean, you, you heard my stories with Keller Williams and again, this is not an EXP pitch, never will be never, I'll never be pitching it. You know, I want it, I always want it to be an attraction based opportunity. Right. And so when I looked at the EXP opportunity, I was like, "Mm, no, I shut it down. Um, I love Keller Williams and, and everything about it. But when I, when I started to analyze what this was all about, I, I, when I, when I made the move here in, in, in July of 2019, um, what I saw was that it was a betterment for my agents, right? So again, you talk about evolution and, and um, if, you're, if you're an individual agent, this can be an evolution of brokerages, right? Where, where a brokerage is, is not agent centric the way they say they are, 
right? And so right. this is truly can be an evolution just in the brokers, not on the team side, but everything I do, any move I make needs to be a betterment for my agents. And then is it still betterment for the company? Um, and when we made this move over, I, I did fear that there would be an implosion on my team, right? That mm -hmm. they would just go and do their own things. What actually it did is it helped, it helped us build a more cohesive environment where I have my agents trying and out there scouting and, and out there looking to bring on team members to help continue to grow the good home team brand, but it also helps build their, their revenue, their net worth at the end of the day, it's a win, win, win situation. And then, you know, you know, we, we do realize that we are going to outgrow or they're going to outgrow us. And as long as they stay within our, our EXP family, it's still, we still want them to win. Just think of it like this. Right. If you built a team or, or, um, you know, if you have someone leave you, well, now they've taken everything that you've taught them and now they're your, your competition, right? right? I'm going to tell you a lot of team owners and a lot of team leaders don't necessarily wish for the betterment of that agent who left them. That's true. I guarantee you that if that happens here, what do they want that agent to do? They want them to go build a bigger, better business than them and hopefully attract some agents to this opportunity because it, it still continues pushing the ball forward. They're still financially aligned, right? You, you get in financial alignment from that and, and, and you'll start to see the growth that happens and you'll continue to share and continue to, to have open business practices. I think it's a huge, huge opportunity for everyone. Um, and, and I mean, my team, is, my team is thriving because of it. Our business is up highest it's ever been, even wow. during COVID. Thank yeah. you, right? And, and yeah, look, that's, that's because of them. That's because of them and them pushing the ball forward. It has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with them. And they're still out there trying to grow the good home team. They're out there, you know, getting stock and there's the stock is going nuts through the roof. So why would you, if you're a business owner, why would you not look at something that would be potentially a better move for you? Right. Not just, not just for maybe your family life, but for financial freedom. Right. And, and, you know, the betterment for your people, if you're a business owner and you're, you're evolving from a, a, a selfish type of business model, wouldn't you want to make a move that's betterment for your agents and betterment for your people? Because if your agents and your people are happier, they're going to continue to, to go out there and spread the message for you. It, it's, it solves the revolving door problem. And that's what the team leads have is it's that revolving door problem. And you just get your people in alignment and they feel like they're, they have the opportunity to be just as successful as you are. It's just, an alignment of like-minded professionals, right? It's a really, really great model. I mean, I'm newer in the business. Uh, I've been at it for five years and looking at being at that stage where I'd be looking to build a team. I think that EXP came along just at the right time because I don't have to worry about how I'm going to build a team. It's going to be easy. Well, you, know, you, you were, just... you were on the fence about that. Like when, when you and I had a call like six or seven, eight weeks ago, however long ago that was, you know, you were calling me and you were, you were like, talk me out of EXP, but you're also talking about potentially starting a team and yeah. like, look, I'm down that road, man. I, and, and I got lots of advice for you. Good and bad dude. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Nick, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, from the selfish uh, standpoint, but from also from the ego standpoint, right. I mean, that, that team, that tradition team in a traditional sense is very, there's a lot of ego there and it's, it's either, you know, ego from the face on the sign, like what you had to, to the, the actual team name. Right. So you guys have obviously leveraged your last name, the good homes team, but it's not the Nick good homes team, right. It's not 
not the Austin Goodhomes team. It's not, you know, Austin and Nick, Nick Good and Associates, right? It's you've actually leveraged something. You know, at the end of the day, I, I think that uh, um, there are a lot of agents out there that that are seeing a lot of success, and they they want to build a team because they want to they want that leverage, right? They want to be able to leverage other human beings to, you know, make more money. And I think that's a fallacy. I think a lot of agents look at that and they, because they don't understand what it takes to actually run a team. They just go, well, I'm really good at lead generating, but they, they fail to realize, well, maybe now I need a CRM that's going to actually be able to support, you know, not just me, but three or four other people, right? I need systems and processes from a listing system to a buying system to a, you know, a closing system to, you know, administrative systems and all the rest of it, right? They don't understand what, what the actual, um, process is with respect to building out a team, you know, within this model, it's, it's, it's quite a bit different, you know, and you, you can, I've, I've actually, I've actually heard, I had a conversation with an agent the other day and they said, well, you know, you aren't building a team there. Right. And I'm like, well, not in the traditional sense for not, right. Not in the traditional sense, but you know, what we are trying to build is a, is a really great um, collaborative community of like-minded individuals that are continually helping to push each other forward. So tell me how that's different from any other team that you've been a part of. Well, let me, let me put it this way. First off, the, the, the stigma that we get here is that we're just recruiting and we don't, we don't care about them, but this is about not just financial alignment. This is about being able, I also chose this opportunity because look, where our investment company is going and where, where it already is. Like I didn't have to make a move from, from where I was. I was happy. The money was great. Um, and, and even if all my people left me, I still would have been in a fine position. That's the selfish, that's the selfish thought process. So when I looked at making a move, is it a betterment for my people? But also this is, we partner with people in that honey, in our honey badger group. We talk about the honey badger group. You mentioned at the beginning of this podcast Mm -hmm. where people don't understand what that is, right? This is, this is about having, having people in your world that you can go and pick their brains that have already walked the path. They're already been in the shoes. You know, you get to be in their shoes, right? I get to talk with Jay Kinder who sold 531 homes um, in Lotno, small town, Lotton, Oklahoma. And he was doing it through attraction based, right? It was, it was radio television. It was, it was direct response marketing. Then I've got, we've got Michael Reese, who is the, uh, he is the marketing direct marketing master guru, but I also learned expi- my expired calls from him, right? He's in the same marketplace as me, by the way. He was at Keller Williams oh. Frisco. That is literally 10 minutes from where I am today, mm-hmm. right? I had a call with Michael Reese yesterday about s- some other ideas and, and being able to bounce ideas off of people, calling you guys and saying, hey, I've got, you know, I've got some, I've got some agents, brokers in, in, in Canada are looking at coming over. Can you guys help me out? This now makes it a winning, a winning proposition, just like doing your podcast. Not only does it help you get your content out, right? Mm-hmm. It helps me at the same time. We're, 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 even though we're not in true financial alignment in a sense of downline, we need the betterment of EXP because I will tell you, I'm sitting on close to six figures in, in 17 months of stock here. Wow. Just think what happens in another 17 months when that's, when that, that compounding continues to happen. And as long as the stock continues to grow, I'm in good company, right? There are millionaires because of the stock at this company that had only been here for two or three years. So, so this is about alignment and becoming better agents, better business owners and betterment of our, of our industry. Right. Yeah, man. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I, I want to, I want to kind of, let's, let's, get to a point where we're going to end this conversation. And I, and I guess I kind of want to end it off with, um, you know, maybe some advice that you can give to, to, you know, 
people that are running a, a good book of business, but want to take it to the next level, right? That, that 20 deal per year agent, maybe that 50 deal per year agent that's, you know, potentially looking at joining a team. What would be like your top three pieces of advice to take it to the next level? And I know that 20 deal per year agent is different from the 50, but let's try to find some, you know, a happy medium in there somewhere. Well, I mean, number one is, is I'm going to pull this out while I'm talking here. Um, I'm finishing up. I had this guy on during, during when we shut down uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. His name is Logan Stout, Grit Factor, okay. right? And it talks about in here, first off, number one, and, and I was kind of a, thought this was kind of hocus pocus type stuff, but personal development. Um, um, becoming, becoming better, a better version of yourself, um, number one, will help you continue to grow, right? Having that positive mindset. Um, that's number one. Number two is, is what got you here is not going to get you where you want to go. So figure out and, and write down where you think you want to go and write down multiple routes of where you want to go and then start seeking out mentors and seeking out guides that can help you, uh, 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 you know, get to those, get to those paths. I hate to call them goals because goals, just like, you know, new year's is coming up. Everyone sets goals. And usually by January 2nd or 3rd, they've already given up. They've given their self permission to, to give up on their goal. I call it a path or a journey, right? So if someone can, if you've got a guide or a mentor that can, that can direct you on your path to where you want your life to be in the next five years, then you need to be aligned with those people. Right. And that's number one. If you want to take your business to the next level, then you need to be talking to people that are already had, have already obtained that business. And then some. Right. Right. It's, of, yeah, it's a simple concept. If you want to improve your golf game, golf with better golfers. It'll happen, yes. right? Yes. The same thing in real estate. Just work with better real estate agents. Right. Talk with better real estate agents. For sure. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, Grant Cardone uses the 10X principle and, and whatever you want to do. If you want to sell, you know, 10 houses a year, you know, 10 houses a year, then you want to then say that you want to sell 100 houses a year, right? And then if you fall right. short, whatever. I mean, you know, if you 10X all your goals and you hit 50% of those goals, are you still ahead? Absolutely. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a great, I think it's a great deal, but you also, you know, but you also have to believe you truly have to believe in the mindset of it. And again, that comes from Logan Stout, the grit factor. Um, and, and just focusing on that personal development, as long as you stay in, you continue personal development, you can keep setting your paths, your journeys, or how Logan calls it. He calls it bullseyes for your, your target bullseyes. Right. And, and, um, and, and you continue to, to do this grind day in and day out you're going to get to where you want to go. That's it's, it's simple, right? right the on, people man. that fail, the people that just give up, right? They, they stop, they stop pedaling the, you know, they stop pedaling that bike. They stop rowing that boat and they, cause they got tired or they had a shit day and they let that shit day turn into three shit days. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next thing they look up they're they're going broke because they haven't done anything in a month and they're just wallowing in self pity and, and, and misery. And, you know, look, we all, even, I'm going to tell you even this year where we've had, we've, we've sold more than we ever have. November, we had a crappy November, crappy, right? And, and you know, I could sit here and say, oh, it's falling apart. No, let's go look at the good and then let's go figure out how we can continue taking more and how can we set ourselves up for the, for the best first quarter of 2021. Right. That's the focus. Yeah. yeah. And Jocko Willink would actually look at that and say exactly what you said. Good. Let's find the opportunity to get better. Let's find the opportunity to see more deals for 2021. Let's not make this a habit or, or make this happen again, right? Let's not allow this to happen again. Let's, let's figure out a system where this, this November will never happen again, 
Right. So yeah, I love it, man. So let's just wrap it up right there. You know, Nick, I, I think this has been a great conversation. Why don't you let people know where to find you online and how to connect with you? Absolutely. First off, you can go to Nick good N I C K G O O D dot work. So Nick good dot work. Um, and um, again, I'm always here no matter what. I mean, yeah. this, this is not a recruiting pitch or anything like that. We're always here to help uh, for the betterment of our, our real estate industry. Yeah, awesome, sure. brother. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being a part of the uh, real estate, real, real conversations podcast today. Um, if you guys are listening on iTunes, it would be great if you would go in there and leave us a five-star review. If you're watching this on YouTube or on Facebook, go ahead, leave us a comment below. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Nick. You've got all of his contact info there. If you have any questions for Robin or myself, feel free to reach out to us as well. Hope you guys got something positive from this podcast. Hope you all have a great day. Take care.